Hello, I'm Marilyn and welcome to my podcast. This is a place where I love to get into people's unlikely stories about how they discovered their thing, or what I call their wow. Today I'm chatting with executive leader coach and TED talker, Shauna Shu. Shauna is an incredible thought leader. She's got a gazillion accolades and years of working with remarkable professionals, and yet she's most happy mucking out with her pets on the farm. And this conversation was pretty game-changing to me. She's far from any stereotype we might have about an executive coach. And you've just got to hear her stories about being sent to not one, but three finishing schools. Hilarious. And of course, absolutely inspiring. Welcome to the show, Shauna. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And we have been having fun pre-shows for everybody to know. So you're going to get high energy right now. I, I just have to admit, we've just been recording for about 20 minutes and we forgot to put a record the first time I've ever done that. So we are really, really, really warmed up. So Shauna, let's start where I started before. I... I kind of met you through your podcast. Uh, let's start with your TED Talk, Shauna. <laughs> what pets can teach you about leadership? I mean, how genius is that? It, but it could be, and as we talk right now, your dog is jumping up beside you and providing very good entertainment in the background. It's hilarious. But it could be about what pets teach you about leadership. So what inspired you to to talk about that? on your TED talk. Thank you. And I live with pets. So if they make noise, you'll know that this is live or that we're recording it and that they're part of the whole, you know, uh, ambiance. And they're also part of the spirit. Um, one of the things that I think it's so wonderful, we're living, the world is living with pets more and more. And because we love to live with other species and, and even the kinds of pets that people are having are just really unique and unusual, as long as it's, you know, legal and, and, and the, it's, it's good for both the animal and the, and the human. But I think when I realize how much pets have, have impacted my life and how much that they've taught me, and then I, I also, I, used, I had a client, a, a businessman, and he was, he needed some help. So his, his CFO had said, Shauna, you got to come in and talk to this guy. So I came in and talked with him and um, she, cause she was like, if you don't get some help, I'm leaving. And this happens sometimes. Right. So anyway, after we'd worked together for a while, I said to him, you need to get a dog. And he was like, why would I get a dog? They're filthy and you got to take care of them. And there's so much responsibility. And I said, for all of those reasons, and you cannot fire a dog. You know, he was just firing his problems and an animal is expecting you to be there for them, communicate with them. And if they make a mistake, if they go to the bathroom in the house, it's usually your fault because you haven't been paying attention to some massive cues. Mm -hmm. So what an opportunity. And he got a dog, I have to tell you this, and he was a better leader. And he thanked me profusely after. He's like, that was the best thing I ever did. And he also melted his heart and became more compassionate, which I also think is important for leaders. So, so true. So you, Shauna, are, I would say, one of the thought leaders on the planet about leadership. And I love your absolutely refreshing take on that. 
honestly, as a little kid, you probably weren't going, when I grow up, I'm going to train and help leaders evolve. <laughs> so when did you know, when was that moment that you knew that this was what you're born to do? Well, born to do is an interesting thing. You know, I actually, I, I was always this person who wanted to learn and explore. And my mother had a lot to do with that. Amazing woman. Filled my head with exploration and vagabonds and and uh, just crazy great. And yet it, it was, what, what does that mean? You know, if I'm doing all this experience and I, I taught, I took dancing and I was entertaining and I wanted to adventure myself. And I don't know if I ever understood that how much joy I would get from teaching. I taught mm. finishing fashion and commercial work for decades and presenting. And I didn't even know there was a, a speaking industry because you had to be an expert to talk about an issue in, in my world. And then I, as I was speaking and sharing, I would have people come up to me and say, we want more of that. Could you come and talk to our group? And it was, it was like eye-opening. And I'm like, I'm good at this. But there was this alter, this shift. And I think that's what you're really asking, where instead of it being, I'm good at it, I want to do it. It's all about me. I'm speaking and I love the adulation. I was meant to be an entertainer. Nah, nah, nah. I actually figured out that it was about the audience. It was about my students. It was about my coaches that if I could help them succeed, it was so much more um, enriching, so much more satisfying. So, so wonderful. You know, there's a story about a, a king and he is looking for the most amazing person in the kingdom. He wants to have somebody to tootle along and what have you. And all these people apply and he, and he, he can't believe he, he, there's a knight and there is somebody who works with the, in the church and there's all these different people and they all have just this amazing countenance about them. And when he says, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to pick, but what's the through line of all of them? And they all had the same teacher. Now think about that, mm -hmm. that they had all gone on to do these amazing mm -hmm. things. And so the king realized that to give the biggest award or to bring somebody up right underneath him, it really was that teacher who had impacted mm -hmm. so many more lives than any one of them had. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a beautiful story? Mm -hmm. And so even if you don't feel that you're a natural teacher, us mentoring other people or giving it away, I think that's what I realized you know, that I, I didn't need to keep anything for myself in the commercial industry. Um, you're teaching how people how to compete against you. So I was teaching classes on how to do auditioning and I made a decision. I, I guess I had to really get a hold of myself and say, do I want to hold back because they will be competing or do I want to give it all? And I made the decision to give it all. And here's the funny thing that happened. Marilyn, I, I would teach this auditioning. And every time I taught it, I got better at it. Like it's I so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I'd look yeah. at what they were doing wrong, and I would go, I could fix that. And I would teach it, and I knew they would not take my advice anyway. But I became unstoppable. I did more work in the commercial industry when I started teaching commercials than I had ever done prior. So think about that as a leader. You become more valuable and more pivotal to people. The more you give away your knowledge, the more you help them succeed. I know uh, years and years ago when I was still working for corporate, I was the head of a 
you know, national training and development team. And the company went had a had a disaster. It had some arson, and so we had to reshift things. And uh, which means training department was an overhead. It got cut except me. So suddenly we had to have this culture shift of the trainers going along to do all the training to me training the line managers to do their training. And it was tough for some of them, but it was the best learning curve ever because when you have to train someone or teach someone something, oh my gosh, it it transforms you. And ever since I've used that as a part of my you know, methodology or my exercises to teach someone what you, and, and you know, everyone, you know, other people do, it's not unique, but it it is so truth. But Shauna, what I'm hearing here is a thread. You use the word teacher a lot, which is really interesting. And a lot of my listeners are, you know, they might call themselves an entrepreneur or a business person, um, but it's interesting because you do have your own business, and yet we're talking about you as a teacher. It's it, and I want the listeners to get this subtle difference in how you see yourself, and you see yourself not as a well. Your definition of teacher is is apparent. We could see it's about helping others, giving people what they need. And that actually puts the spotlight on you, which is quite interesting. People see your energy and they see your spirit. And I'm I'm preaching here. I know I am. But can you talk, can you talk to me about that, that word and why you see yourself as a teacher and not as a business person or not as a co- consultant or any other uh, phrase or, or title? Well, and I'm... I, you're intuitive in so many ways, but I don't know if I've ever actually had somebody say that I see myself that way, but I, I guess I do um, because I'm a coach and that's what I think about. I, um, I guess with, I had a woman who was my mentor, who was my teacher, all of that. And, but she never called herself that she really was a coach to me, my mentor older than me. And she was so much better than me. And I just was constantly there trying to get as good as she was. And she says that I'm the best partner she ever had because I never let up. You know, if she had an off day, I was right there. You know, I was just right up there. And so, but later in our lives, she went on to do all this choreography with, with, uh, she's a choreographer in California and very successful. And she would call and check in with me. And here's what she said. One time she would say, Hey, what are you reading lately? And I would go, oh, God, I just read this great book. And she would say, teach me. And I would tell her all the ideas I got out of it and everything <gasps> that I was doing and blah, 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 blah. And then later she'd say, well, have you taken any new classes? And I would go, oh, yeah. And once again, she would say, teach me. And I would just share everything. So two things happened after I got off the phone. I realized two things. Number one, how she was still teaching me something because she just asked questions. And number one, she learned everything I knew without paying any of the money for it. (laughs) And I felt terrific. So I wouldn't really call myself as much a teacher anymore as I, as a questioner. So if I can be an expert inquiry, if I can be curious about your life as what are you thinking or break that down leader and explain to me where, what the steps you're taking on to get to the decisions and what are you using, then I may be able to provide a tool, which is teaching, but really just providing, take it or leave it. And then they get better. And when you see somebody with the light come on 
or you see somebody take a tool or a technique that you've shared and they find success with it, which is why some of my clients have been with me for six to eight years. I mean, craziness because it's effective. So I love that you're calling me that. And I don't know if I would ever call myself that. I would really, I would really say I'm a questioner. Is that it? Uh, then, that's that... perfect. And it's interesting because I realize as you're talking, my definitive definition of teaching is exactly what you described. It's not, ah, whereas good. I think we live in this age of, uh, well, we're coming out of it a little bit, but the knowledge age, you know, and it, and it's so it's about all about what we know. And so I find a lot of teachers give knowledge, but that's not teaching. It's for me, I, I probably use the word facilitator a lot better. I facilitate those aha moments through questioning, which I've never, I love that word questioner. So Shauna, I'm going to put it back on you. What are you reading right now? And tell me about it. <laughs> oh my God. Right now I'm doing some, a really interesting class about the subconscious and our mindsets and how vital it is. It's a pretty intense class. Uh, and what I love about it is it's, it's requiring me to do reading and sitting meditation on a daily basis. And I always wanted a meditation. I, I read about it. I understand how important it is. But if you make a commitment to actually do it, it can be quite life-changing. So I do that. And then I'm reading a couple of other books. I usually have two or three on, I, I use Audible. And then I have some by my nightstand. I'm reading a fascinating book about the horse's brain and the human brain. Really? Wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. The neurology. So I'm just new into it and I'm just thrilled. I can't wait to get more involved with understanding how my horse thinks. Have you put any of that into action yet in your own life? Well, you know, this is what's so great. What a great question. Whenever you're doing anything, if you... My, my goal with my leaders and my coach, the people I coach, is to encourage them to understand how to capture things that, is sh that are shareable. So it's a different way to think. It's like, oh, I read the book and it was really nice. No, I read that book and I believe that this client and this client and this client would value from small stories. Mm. Or here's an article and the one essence I got from it was this, which would be very powerful for this person or that person. So now as I learn and as I experience life, I'm thinking of the lesson behind it, which I can then use for a variety of things, whether it be my writing, whether it be my coaching or my speaking. Um, one of my TEDx talks is about how you can't push a pig and it, you cannot push a pig, but it came from a story of me having the pig in the living room and because <laughs> I left the door open. <laughs> And, uh, you know, pigs like food and he came in hunting food and I'm trying to push this pig out. Right. And if you've ever heard a pig scream uh, or squeal, <laughs> that's what they call it. It's it's and they don't they're not going. Right. He's 200 pounds. He's not leaving. So I had to get busy thinking about other alternatives. And so within that whole funny story, there's a lesson mm. that when you're trying to push people into mm. you and the way you think your politics, your new initiative, your new software. Think about how often you're pushed. You're pushing people all the time. You're pushing your children to do what you want. And if we can stop there for a moment and go, okay, there's an alternative to pushing. And what would it be? Stop, take a breath, and then figure out the next thing. Why would the pig go outside? 
well, if he likes food, I just have to shake a can full of food. And he just trotted right out. It wasn't that hard, but it took me a bit to figure that one. That, I mean, gosh, that you've just nailed sales. Modern mainstream, yeah. modern mainstream sales techniques are about pushing pigs and getting better at pushing pigs, yep. aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. You can't push a pig. <laughs> now, you, I mean, we mentioned before, uh, before we, we pressed record the proper time uh, about working with intelligent, clever people. Uh, they, they're, you know, their their growth mindset. They want to change. They want to evolve. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, we got the dogs in there. Thank heavens. I'm also dog sitting, and so she's she's got her eyes on all that stuff. I love it. So keep going. Okay, so but one thing that we hit against whether we've got, uh, you know, whether we're on a growth edge or not is imposter syndrome. It's an epidemic, and it affects us whether we're one you know, millimeter into what we're doing or 20, you know, 20 years into what we do. What's your unique take on that? And how do you see the way forward? Is there a cure? Uh, Yes, I believe there is. And I believe for myself, I found it. And with my clients, they, I'm their advocate. So I'm reminding them of what they already know. Mm. And that's what you do, I'm sure too. (laughs) We're reminding them what they already know. They, You've got all the answers inside of you. Now, why I believe we have this imposter syndrome so much is because we're comparing ourselves to other people. So, oh my gosh, I'm not as good as she is, or oh my heavens, I haven't been, you know, I did a TEDx, not a TED, or I did, I don't have seven books, I only have three. We're we're comparing, and comparison is is the biggest way that you will feel terrible, nothing you can do to get past it if you, if you decide to live in comparison. So number one, stop that immediately. (laughs) And then the other piece is what you're actually believing about yourself. So when you believe that that person, by the way, there are many, many, many hundreds of thousands of people better than I am. But what in my world, what I know, I'm the best at what I do. I have, and this is why I believe in coaching. I've been coached for years. Now I'm taking a class, this big class I'm taking on subconscious. Because what we put in our brains and our hearts and ourselves, no one can take. A pandemic cannot ruin. The flood could not, a fire cannot destroy it. So everything that's inside me is what's the value here. So you have to stop and say to yourself, I have a way to look at this. I'm smart enough to figure it out or I'm strong enough to figure it out. And you can figure it out. So two things. Number one, stop comparing. Just let go. Can't push a pig. When you compare, you're going to you're going to be unhappy. And number two, what you say to yourself continuously. And if you say just this, I am strong enough or smart enough to figure this out and believe it, go prove it to yourself. Do a search, find someone, call someone, listen to this podcast. Then ultimately you'll get more and more confident in the fact that. I don't know that answer, but I'm certainly willing to talk to you about it. Did that help? Ah, amazing. Amazing. You said a phrase, you almost just glossed over it, Um, but I'm going to draw it out. It was a gold, just a golden phrase. And you said, I'm the best in the world at what I do. And, 
I know particularly women struggle to a identify what they're best in the world or even be able to say that I'm the best in the world. And so then I see them, you know, we look like everyone else's. Yeah. Temp- we just get templates and we just copy, we copy, we copy, we copy. How, in your opinion, how did you get there? How did you get to be able to say that about what you say? And what advice would you have or give to get clarity about what we're the best in the world at? Wow, good questions. I think experience gives it to you. And I also think that you making it through the hardships that you've made it through, because you have made them, you've made it through. So the dogs are running around me right this minute. (laughs) I love it. Oh, this is real stuff, you guys. Um, and you know, some people will say to me, you have these animals and what about your clients? And that's the other thing. My animals make me a better coach. And so right now though, I would probably say, would you wait for a moment and I'll put them out. But here's the thing. If you, if you actually stop and say, I am connected to everyone else. I'm connected to the divine. This is going to sound maybe esoteric or woo woo, and it isn't. Like I'm tapped into all the goodies in the world, the juiciest stuff. I'm, I'm that I, if I open my mind and my heart, then who could be better than I am at this point in what I know? I I cannot compare myself to somebody else. I don't know what they know. I just know what I know. And now I'm also capable of saying this person's not ready for coaching or not ready to work with me or they are too fearful. And that's really what it is. And I want to give something else that's just hitting me that I should share this, that fear is what prevents most of us from doing our greatest work. Absolutely. And fear, women particularly, fear, 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 fear that I'm going to make a fool of myself. Well, too late. (laughs) I've already done that a bunch of times. Fear that I won't say the right thing. And I believe there's nothing we can't be forgiven for. So once you get past this fear and say that now I'm going to live in a place where I'm curious or that I believe that I can do whatever it is that's put in front of me and you let go, then magic starts to happen. It just does. I hope that answered the question. So I know that I know stuff. And if I open my heart and my mind, I'll answer any question that you have to the best of my ability. And who knows, like you and I, we've had some really good magical moments because we just went for it versus I had to be prepared and I had to have my questions and I need to have the answer for that question. If you don't worry about your ego and just give Mm. of your whole heart, you're going to rock it. And that is a big way towards clarity. Can we go back to sharing the story about finishing school? Because we talked about that off air. Uh, tell us about that and how that impacted your life. Well, so the funny thing, you're, you're listening to this and you're getting our energy and hopefully you're loving it um, and that you're a regular listener to this fabulous podcast and uh, how great Marilyn does. I, uh, when I was younger, she, she asked, you know, did you know? And when I was younger, I lived on a farm or a little working farm. My dad was a builder uh, and I had red hair, white pasty skin, freckles, braces, glasses, thick glasses. And as my dad so sweetly said, a little dab of baby fat. I mean, I was a mess. 
And so my mother, I'm sure, thought I would never have friends or dates or a husband. Anyway, she sent me to finishing school when I was 12. And I learned things like, you know, when to set a table and how to put getting out of a car and put on a coat and walk with a book on my head and things like that. It was valuable at the time and it gave me some confidence. But then moving along, I, uh, I, I was 18 and I'd been taking dancing. Mom was really into making me a lady. I just have to say it. <laughs> and all I ever wanted to do was be at the barn. But she was also into giving me new thoughts and mm. uh, Vagabond, my favorite favorite poem in the world is Vagabond's House by Don Blandine. And, and mom would have me read about adventurous woman. Anyway, there wasn't enough money for college. So my mother said, you should compete for a, a scholarship pageant. And so I did. And so you're talking to a former Miss Hillsborough Happy Days. <laughs> now, this is a tiny town, you know, the, um, the scholarship was uh, that they gave the winner was a full scholarship to finishing school, believe it or not. So there's a message there, isn't there? There's a message there. <laughs> I'm telling you, apparently I, I need finishing. So I went a second time. And here's why I believe we should retake classes, reread books, mm. because what I learned at 12 was very valuable, but I, but I was 12. What I went and learned at 18, now, of course, the classes had evolved as well, but it was completely different because I was different. And then you're going to laugh. I went on to travel extensively throughout the United States, Europe. I spent five years traveling with uh, show bands. We did comedy. I did songs, music all through Europe. It was such a great training ground. But I didn't tell you this part. I came back to the States. My dad got sick and there wasn't a lot of work for an unemployed entertainer in the state of Oregon. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about Oregon, but uh, and coming from a farm. So there was a finishing, another finishing fashion and commercial school that had just opened. And I went in to apply. Now, talking about women helping women, I had no resume. I did everything wrong, Marilyn. I've just did absolutely, I had no resume. I just swung by, no appointment. And this gorgeous model, this beautiful woman said, well, why don't you come into my office? We'll talk. And she brought me into her office. There was a round window. I remember I was just enamored. I had girl lust. I was like, I want to be just like this woman. And she said, well, what do you think? And I go, well, I've been through finishing school twice. And I went through the modeling segments. And I don't believe that models really know how to move. And there's fitness and what have you. And she says, well, our class, our school could use a fitness class or a movement for model class. Would you like to create one. And if you run us through the class and we like it, we may consider putting it into our curriculum. Wow. Now listen to how smart wow. she was. Number one, she's making me do all the content, write it all, do it all with no input, no money to me. They might, if I, and then I'm going to give them a class for free and they might put it in their curriculum. So I went to town. So I thought that was one of the best lessons for a businesswoman. She saw somebody was hungry, talented, whatever, and said, show me what you got. So I, I showed her what I had. And here's what she said. We love it. We're going to put it in. She asked me how much I wanted to make. And this is crazy. This is in the like 1980s. And I said, I want $20 an hour. And she said, yes. <laughs> 
Wow. I don't know what I was thinking. I know that for, I made more money than the owners did at one time. But anyway, the, the thing that she said the last was, we would like you to go through our program to make sure that we're all in alignment philosophy wise. So I went through finishing school a third time. Carolyn, <laughs> yeah, I've been through finishing school three times. Wow. Wow. So what is the yeah. life lesson for you there, Shauna? <laughs> the life I know, and I'm still unfinished. I was talking to somebody recently and they said, I hope you don't take offense to this, but you don't look like a woman who's been through finishing school. <laughs> oh, that's and classic. I love that. That's classic. Well, I believe it's not about the rules. I think that we as human beings should have courtesy and kindness and know the rules so that we don't offend others. However, I believe we break the rules for the relationship. So I, I just like to teach it that way instead of, no, you have to do it this way, which of course has all been blown up anyway because of the way the world is now. Mm-hmm. I think people are less courteous than they've ever been and less kind. Yeah. Do you think they really are or is just that they've hit so much continuous pressure that it's just coming out? It's just the ego is having its final. Oh, well said, Marilyn, and it gives it a softer to it. But I do believe that we've, I don't know if it's from the pandemic or because people are in fear yeah. and we, yeah. we've talked about this fear piece uh, when they're in fear and adding in this, in this fear that animals, when they're in fear or pain are, they will hurt you. So if you go into a stall and a, and a horse is fearful, it will kick or bite a dog that has been maimed yeah. or hurt will bite. Mm-hmm. They will bite. And fear and pain makes people Mm. hurtful. So whenever I see people who are hurtful, whether it be online or selfish, it's usually because they're in pain. They're fearful or they're in pain. Like the fact that people are are so uh, uh, shaming each other about whether or not you are vaxxed or not vaxxed or whatever it is, is because they're fearful. Mm -hmm. And, And you just have to remember that. Instead of getting mad at them, you have to go, oh, that's a species. That's a, that's another animal. That's, that's, it's yeah. fearful. Yeah, absolutely. And then, wow, then, then we wouldn't be unkind. Yes. So I, what a good question you ask. I, I believe humans really are compassionate and kind and loving and funny. Oh my gosh. We are great as a species. Humans, you can't beat us. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. the most, the most dangerous animal in the entire world yeah. is a human. Yep especially a fearful one. So it's like, yeah, when we see people, we see that behavior, see the fear or or see the person underneath that fear and recognize that fear in us as well. Shauna, can we do something lighter? (laughs) And and can you share? And everyone driving along, (laughs) thank God, big breath. Shauna, you use the word evolve very intentionally. You talk about... Involving uh, into you know who, the greatness who we who we're meant to be you know our best selves, whereas most leadership development is very uh, goal focused. It can be very masculine, very um, st- you know striving. Um, how do you? It's interesting you've used that word uh, evolve. How? What's your take on that? And how do you see that? And I guess what I'm alluding to here is there's a very feminine and a masculine way of you know personal effectiveness, personal development. Where are you with all of that? Well, I'm strategic. And so when I talk to my coaching clients, 
we're looking at that as a strategy. We're looking at the way we're thinking as a strategy, how we evolve, because here's what generally people don't really love changing. (laughs) You know, there's a book called change or die. It came out of an article written for fast company where they did research on people who'd had heart attacks and were told, if you do not change these habits, you will die. And they didn't, they, they would rather die than change. And so whenever you say to people, we're changing everything, or we're changing, or we're going to shift that or, or whatever, people are like, no, we like it this way. But if you wanted to evolve it, if you wanted to make it just 1% better, and that's how I look at evolution. I look at it as it's a, it's an ongoing process and it's softer. And it's, it, it, it's like, let's take on this new mantra of I'm smart enough to figure this out. And now you're evolving into this human that can figure stuff out, but you don't just suddenly decide I'm going to figure this out. Now you might, but then you'll slip backwards. So we evolve with each thing we're doing into the human we want to be. And we probably will never get there because the minute we learn something and the minute that we get 1% better, we realize we could get 1% better yet. And that's what's so juicy and great. That's why I coach with people for such a long time because it's not, oh, I got all that down, got the leadership stuff, got their certificate to show for it. No, a leader leader is, is... evolving all the time because they're using their mind and they're using their heart and they're becoming more empathetic and they can see it because the first step really is becoming aware that they need to evolve to begin with. So I I don't believe it's feminine or masculine. Although I think sometimes I work with a lot of, of both genders. And what's interesting is, is that it doesn't matter who it is they'll say, yeah, I would like to evolve. Verily do they say that they change. want to change. <laughs> I think word. women are more, yeah, yeah. women are more apt to understand or, or believe they need to change. I think that they're more apt to, to embrace that where a man really does want to get better. But I think the fear, you know, not to look like a man, but we all have the mm. same things. Mm. Mm. We're, we're fearful people because there's a lot of people out there that could be critical and, and mean. I think evolve as a word is a lot more forgiving, a lot more uh, encouraging, whereas you could say, well, I'm evolving, rather than, oh, damn it, I didn't do those 20 things that I was going to, you know, was going to cause me to change. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or we say we will, we're going to work out every day, we're going to work out every day. Mm. Well, we're not going to work out every day. Something's going to happen and you're not. And then you feel like a liar. You feel like an imposter. So you've done that to yourself. But if you said each day, I'm going to move a little bit more. I'm going to move. Hey, I didn't get a workout, but I went up the stairs. That's evolution. Mm. That's Mm. you getting better as a human to say, it's not about sticking to this routine. It's building my routine. Mm. And after all of these years, I evolve my morning routine. That makes it interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd like to wrap up with talking more about your animals. How do you use your life with animals to cut through the, uh, you know, the essence of, of someone? How, how you shared the story before of getting that CEO to get a dog. Uh, How well do you use your life uh, with animals in your teaching, in your communications, in your, in your thought leadership, I guess. There's story after story where people who are not even with, don't have them or have never been on a horse. If, if a person's 
sitting on a horse and the horse is backing up, you're doing something. No, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> no, you really are. And so the beauty of an animal, it, it's only relating to you as you're relating to it. Where with humans, they will argue back with you. So how we evolve with that is, no, I told you. Well, you might've told me, but I didn't hear it. There's an argument. But with an animal, if it's backing up, you're doing something. And so you must actually have enough wherewithal. I mean, anybody, any human, any, you just realize if I don't want to fall off the cliff, I have to stop doing something where the animal wouldn't tell you that. They wouldn't say, hey, you're pulling or pushing. They would just not do what you want or they would do something and you would have to stop and say, I must take a different way. So what a gift that they don't talk to us that absolutely every action has a reaction when it comes to another species. And I think that is the most pivotal thing that when I have had an accident or something goes on and I realize I was not paying attention. Now that's a lesson right there. I find one of my ways to get better is that I can pay more attention. And when we're really paying attention, life is sweeter and people are happier. Mm -hmm all around you. They really are a mirror to our behavior, aren't they? Well said. They are. And we can they see, are. we can learn. There's a lot of self-awareness that we can gain from just taking that time with a pet. Well, and I have this little three-legged that I just acquired uh, four months, five months ago. He's, he's still a pup. We're going to uh, obedience classes, which, you know, it's not for the dog at all. <laughs> Totally for the person. And uh, what a lesson he teaches, you know, that he's got these, he's just got three legs and he has no problem with it. He doesn't consider himself handicapped at all or whatever they call it now, you know, disabled. He doesn't consider himself. He just hangs out. And, but noticing how he's adapted and what he does to get along and how he understands Every time he jumps off something, depends on how high it is. He takes a header. He doesn't have two arms. <laughs> it's like right into the earth. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my heavens. And he's learned to kind of roll with it. And just, and his joy. That's the other thing oh, that I think yes, animals enjoy yes. in, in a way that if we did that, like sometimes I'm just really happy. I just like to dance around. And animals have, you know, they're just happy. Be happy dog, you know, they're just hopping. And if we can be like that more and more, we will, you know, we're live, we're gonna live a lot longer too. Oh, so agree. they and dogs in particular, they can just add a small degree in lift of energy. They're there, they're ready for it. I know with my son and I will often just stop and like a song will come on, we'll dance, and the dog is right there and just loves it, you know. Yeah. It's incredible. But I, I'm I'm watching my cat at the moment and I just know when she is if she brings in a mouse. It's so not about the mouse and her, it's about me. And I'm like, what have I you know, it's usually because I'm distracted. I haven't been in my body. I haven't been paying attention to the not just her, but the surrounds, you know, and it's really, yeah. really a powerful lesson to go, okay, I need to take notice here. It, it is it is just amazing to work with animals. They're incredible. Beautiful. Mm. I always said that that's why I work with horses because a dog will allow you 
to push them away and yeah, say, get out of my face. Um, a dog will do that. A cat will be more insistent, but still mm -hmm. you push it away, it'll go away. <clears throat> but a horse, <clears throat> if you're working with a horse, you need to be on your game because it can kill you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a thousand yep. pounds, unless it's a smaller horse mm -hmm. and it can step on you, kick you, bite you, whatever. And I'm aware all the time that with a dog, it'll just be with me and accept me. But my horse, I must be more aware. And if you can have things in your life where you must be more aware, it's a good thing. Very good thing. So, Shauna, this has been a, a real joy. Uh, I must say a real joy, not only getting to know you, but seeing truly what you're the best in the world at and just having, you've got such great stories. So, so inspiring. Uh, what does leading your oh. day mean to you? Oh, well, it means that I get to set my intention. That I start my day out right at five fifteen. I know <laughs> at five fifteen, and somewhere in there, I have served someone. Like if you were to say what makes a perfect day, and I used to do this, I still do this exercise with some of my clients. Describe your perfect day. And somebody once asked me, they said, "Do you mean a perfect work day or a perfect vacation day?" And it startled me, because in the animal kingdom, a dog doesn't say. Do I have a vacation day or do I have a, every day they want to do what they're good at. Yeah. There isn't a single day that my shepherd doesn't want to shepherd. There isn't a single day that my horse doesn't want. They live to do what they're good at. Oh, so a perfect, does, I mean, that's what they live for. They, they're waiting for us to let them run and catch and retrieve and, and find it. And, and so why a perfect day is doing what you are so good at. And there shouldn't be a, well, I'm going to do nothing today. That's what I'm going to do. It's like a day is perfect if it's filled with something. And if I served the people who were listening to this call, then this was a perfect day. Oh, oh, it's, oh. So thank you for that wow. opportunity. Wow, 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 wow. I'm just so, yeah, yeah. We call it around here, your wow. You know, when you are completely in your wow. And it's so true. And if we're asking that question, vacation day or work day, maybe we need to change one of those. <laughs> yes. Maybe we're not doing evolve, what we really should be evolve doing. Evolve one right? of those or, yes, or change. Yes, yes. So, Shauna, thank you so much. I will put all the uh, contacts for Shauna in the show notes. So go check her out and go watch her TED Talks and be inspired. She is a phenomenal speaker, one of the best I've seen in a very long time, just very, very inspirational. And I think there's a- Marilyn, I'm so blessed oh. by you just now. You're just being amazing. And that means you're a woman who holds up other people. What a gift oh, you thank are. You. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Shauna. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch.